0: Welcome. If you're looking to unlock the secrets of the mind, to live a life that's free of care and anxiety and to be the happiest you that you can be, then you're in the right place. This is Growing the Good, the mindful podcast. Hello and welcome to Growing the Good, the Mindful podcast with me, your host, Neil West. And I'm joined today by my good friend and co-host, Hayley Kearns. Hi Haley. how are you today? I'm fantastic, thank you. Oh, yeah, never brilliant. better. Never better, never better, that's good to hear. So, I'm going to talk to you today about the poetry of L.E. Bowman. Okay, so If you've encountered her, uh, I'll tell you a little bit off the back of the book, then you know who I'm okay. talking about. So Lauren E. Bowman is, or was when this was written, a 34-year-old writer, born and raised among the, go- uh, the Gulf of Mexico marshes and sweeping oaks of North Florida. Um, Lauren's writing is blunt, bold, and speaks with raw honesty about her personal struggles and relationships with with relationships, self-acceptance, and self-love. Her work seeks to secure others, encourage others to learn from and rise above their own difficulties and doubts, and to find a place of reflection, empowerment, and acceptance. Okay, so I've chosen her because she's quite a mindful poet. However, not a happy one. Okay. <laughs> well, no, that's not fair. She can be. I, I, told myself I was going to be kind about her poetry because I do very much like it. Um, but have you ever seen um, the film What Women Want? Yes. With Mel Gibson, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, they're the kind of women, <laughs> they're the kind of men that she seems to end up with. Right. Okay. So she seems to have had a very difficult time with relationships with basically misogynist pigs. Um, okay. So bit of bit of bit of dynamic um writing about men exists in her work but understandably if they're the kind of people that she has um experienced Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of the theme of the 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 two books i've got the evolution of a girl and what i learned from the trees and the evolution of a girl is very much along the lines of those kind of uh, difficult relationship poems um i've chosen a few do you want one yeah go for it <clears throat> right, don't call it love just because you fought so hard to keep it. That's wanting more than loving, pulling things to your chest that never belong there, holding them tight, hating them when they fight to leave, hating yourself when you can't make them stay. Okay. so I thought as a as a kind of model of attachment attachment theory, isn't it that people mistake possessing a person and controlling a person for loving a person. Mm. So she's had, uh, well, in terms of the poetry she writes, had that experience, obviously, I'm not saying this is her personal experience, but. um, At some point, my body won't ache for years, and my hands will feel full without your fingers around them. At some point, I will hear your voice or smell your skin, and I will still be able to think and feel and move. At some point, I will have a new lover or no lover, and will sing along to love songs without your name draining out the words. But first, I have to miss you. First, I have to learn to let you go. But first, I have to relearn how to hold myself alone. Okay. So I thought that was quite an interesting point in terms of when, in mindfulness, we talk about um, again attachments. You know that we become attached to a person but recognising that everything must pass and that it's okay to grieve. We talked about this yeah. with death, didn't we? Yes. Okay, but it's it's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel sad, but that point will pass. So I thought that was quite mindful. Hmm. Are you liking these? <laughs> You're just I'm, not I'm used I'm, to be reading sensitive no, poetry in a serious just, voice, are you? Yeah, yeah? No, I'm not going to suddenly, you know... I'm not making fun. I am genuinely, sincerely reading these poems as, um, because I I, you know, I do have a sensible side sometimes. <laughs> All aggra- they don't have titles, the poems, though, so right. I can't really tell you what they're called or anything. I've just picked out the ones from the book that I, yeah. I, I thought had a mindful purpose. All aggressive dogs have stories, origins of pain, sculpted from flesh and muscle and pounding hearts by hands that beat and break. A mimicry of their creator's masculinity, a symbol of their master's strength, kicked and twisted and taunted, until all affronts are met with violent rage. These damaged egos, these once pure hearts, these innocents grown from fear and hate. Mm. So, on the one hand, yeah, it's about, you know, dangerous dogs, I suppose, but they are... The product of they have been created yeah, by their treatments. You know. They are—it's their trauma. You know, it's kind of trauma informed, isn't it? You know the, that. Um, and I'm not sure it's talking about dogs necessarily. It's talking about toxic masculinity, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. the, um taunting and kicking mm. and twisting someone into being like you and driving out their innocence. Mm. You're quiet though. Don't mm. like you when you're quiet. <laughs> Is that your thinking face? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, got another one. I've got a couple more from this book. Okay. At some point, the anger will define you. Your heat, no longer passion and hunger, but hatred clinging to skin. At some point, the anger will become you. Your body, no longer heart and blood and bone, but fire longing to spread. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that reminds me of the, that kind of. The, double arrow is it? Yeah, you're feeding like, yeah. Is that the, the, the seeds in your garden, if you feed mm-hmm. the anger it will grow strong until eventually it becomes your dominant yeah. characteristic, neuroplasticity. Uh, mm-hmm. You become your anger because that's the dominant emotion that you feed with your thoughts and, and actions. Um, I just have an image of this woman sat, bent over a notebook, scratched, She's an furiously, angry, angry <laughs> yes, angry furiously poet. scratching away with a pen. Okay. Um, so let's see. I'll park that. I'll leave it. So that's the evolution of a girl. Okay. So that's the, 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 the very personalised, I'm saying personal, but you know, from a poet's mm. perspective, journey of someone and their investigation of relationships and, 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 and the pretty horrible people that she's mm. had to let into her life. But there's quite an interesting thing that she recognises her own need, her own fear of being alone that she accepts these people and she keeps letting them back because it's better to have a bad relationship mm. than to be on your own and, and learning to um, to be alone and, and find that a positive situation is something that she feels challenging and challenged yeah. by. Even though the, the people that she lets in hurt her and cause her damage. Mm. And I'm sure lots of people can relate to that. Mm. Mm. Oh, what about the other okay. book I but the both anyway, go <laughs> so what I learned from the trees uh that I, I told you at the beginning that she grew up in this kind of um, the Gulf of Mexico marshes sweeping oak trees, all that, so there's a lot in here about nature landscapes and things and and a lot of mindful messages as well, so I'll share some of these with you now. Trees speak in a language of whispers. we're talking about people who whisper on podcasts. Mm, I don't think it would work for me. Trees speak in a language. No, <laughs> no it doesn't it. work for me. Trees speak in a language of whispers, of subtle glances, of flickering light, all quiet and stillness, and somehow still dancing, all reaching down, digging deep, and somehow still moving closer to the sky. Their language isn't complicated but we can't seem to learn it. The simplicity is dawning. That is daunting, the gentleness difficult for a human to grasp, the understanding that just being is our purpose, the realization that existing is enough. So a tree is happy to just be a tree, and that is the joy of its existence, and something too complex for us to understand as human beings. Mm-hmm. Do you think? I don't know. I'm just assuming that trees are happy to be trees. Well, yes, mm. yes, this is, um, you know, you could read, read more into it perhaps. But we use trees, don't we? But when all, all is quiet and still and dancing and reaching down and digging deep and moving close to the sky, it all mm. sounds kind of in harmony in a way that we we're. Do an not life, we do our active mindfulness, with trees, don't we? Think about the. Oh we think about what, what anchors you, the roots mm. that anchor yeah. you and the branches that get blown around in the storm, yeah. Yeah, so I like the thought of a tree as a. yeah. It's the simplicity of just being. Yeah. There nice has sun? to be some doing. It can't be yeah. all being. That's true. <laughs> That's Is I've been told. Is this on about a tree? Uh, the creature in you will protect you. The creature in you will protect you. But you have to acknowledge it if you hope to understand it. You have to accept that we are still driven by instinct and fear. And the wild doesn't understand civilised when it feels cornered. Reach for it with gentle hands. Allow it to curl around your body when you sleep. Allow it to stand beside you when you wake. Recognise when a purr turns into a growl. Learn to heed the warning. Mm. Think. Maybe think about um, you know fight, flight, freeze. That we yeah. have this primitive... We talk about our primitive brain, our lizard brain. Yeah, always, that's that's always it? there. You know, the wildness that the, kind of the the primeval is within us, mm-hmm. and being aware of it means it's less likely to um, manifest in a, yeah. in a violent and aggressive way, yeah. you know, be. when the purr turns into a growl, you, know, mm-hmm. do you think? The forest I ran in as a child is overgrown now, paths made by bare feet there but hidden by trees and weeds. Sunlight scarcely makes it past the branches now. From where I stand, the centre looks dark and thick and hungry. Still it begs me to enter, or maybe it's just me calling to me. I can see myself moving into it, one brave step forward. I can feel the answer just out of reach, but I fear the tangle. Briars pulling against the skin that now bleeds so easily. Dirt and vines wrapping around my weakened feet. Still it begs me to enter, or maybe it's just me calling to me. Mm. Very quiet with poetry. I know. See, I was um, I was going to the hospital the other day, and you sort of uh, I was walking, and there's a point where you cross over a bridge mm-hmm. in Douglas Valley, and you look down, and the river is there, the River Douglas, mm-hmm. and there's kind of a tangle of forest around it, which in the town centre is quite unusual, yeah. you know, in a kind of built-up area. And quite tempting, I was looking over the bridge and I thought, as a child, there's no way I would have been able to resist going down this slope and scrambling around in the trees and the bushes and looking at the stream and all those kind of things. Um, So in a sense, I get that from the poem, that as a child she was more adventurous and more prepared to take risks and closer to nature than as an adult when we fear about getting scraped and tangled. But it's also that, Innocence that we have as a child, where we're less easily damaged by emotional things, perhaps. Um, you know, children are yeah. more resilient than adults are. Yeah, They're more resilient. She fears those experience more than we do. Yeah. yeah. So, like that one. Right. When I feel alone, I go outside. I watch the leaves and the grass, and how carefully the grasshopper cleans its wings. I listen to the hummingbirds fighting over nectar, the angry cries of a finch as it chases away a bird of prey. I let the sun turn my skin slick, let the bugs find my ankles, let my eyes squint against the light, and my breath do whatever it must. I realise that even in my discomfort I am still living, even if I feel the world is ending, there are still so many reasons to be alive. So there's always that element of hope with her, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. There's, 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 there's a, the, the prospect is held yeah. there, isn't it, of, of, of better times. Mm. But I think I, I, I got from that quite a lot about paying attention. You know, mm. she pays attention to nature in that point. Yeah. Um, and gratitude, reasons to be alive, even when it feels like everything is coming to an end. You yeah. Know, she yeah. still feels grateful and that grateful gratitude, it yeah. gives her hope and happiness. I don't think you're going to be putting these on your wall, hey? no. No. <laughs> um, You aren't alone in this, you know that, right? There are others like you, hiding, running, wishing for a desire they keep hidden, but terrified of it coming true. Swaying, hoping, begging for change, but terrified of something new. Hesitant but leaping, whole but looking for what they've lost. Wanting the world to see them, but unsure of who they are. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like you? <laughs> no. No, no. not really, but I guess it's about that. The sense that we're all rushing towards something, yeah. looking, seeking for something, but then actually being afraid of it because, you know, we're comfortable with our sufferings yeah. and the prospect of change can be more frightening than the prospect of yes. living with an imperfect life mm. as, as we see it now. You know, we hope for things, but then secretly hope that it doesn't really happen. The better job, the different relationship, the yeah, woman, the, may, the... It comes with risk and the unknown, doesn't it? Well, it comes with change. Have and that fear we have of a fear change. of impermanence, don't we? Yeah. Oh, here we go. This I've chosen this not because it's nice. I've chosen this because it reminded me of a Ted Hughes poem. Right? Okay. So Ted Hughes writes a poem about a dead badger, mm. and it's this idea of um, you know that we shouldn't be um, we shouldn't be repelled by things that we are conditioned to find grotesque. That actually, things dying and decaying and going back into the earth is something we should see as beautiful, and we've just been educated to see it as something to be. Repulsed by, okay, and there's okay. there's a whole Ted Hughes poem about how, you know, in great depth and detail, he describes the gradual decomposition of the badger, and that's what made this me think of it. I passed him for weeks. The first day was fresh, his body still full and strong, his coat glossy in the morning sun. I wondered if he was lead if he was leading when it happened, if his family saw him scattered, frightened, and suddenly alone. I wondered if the person who hit him stopped shaking and unsettled as they pulled his body from the middle of the road. It's a coyote in case you're concerned. Right. Not that shouldn't be not concerned, a coyote. Not many bad to <laughs> um, Shaking and unsettled as they pulled his body from the middle of the road. I wondered why they left him there on the asphalt. Not a foot from the dirt to be picked at by vultures instead of sinking back into the earth. It seemed wrong to me. Watching something so wild decaying, on something so unnatural. But who am I to judge the person who left him there? It's been a month, and his coat is now withered and patchy, his body nothing but bones, and I too just drive by, leaving him to rot on the side of the road. don't like that, do you? No, I don't oh, like that. It's your fear of death, Hayley, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle it's it. No, Well, what upsets her isn't the dead coyote and the decomposition, it's Thanks. that somebody's left him there on the tarmac instead well, of moving him onto the, the, earth, the earth, and he yeah. could have gone into the earth. That is what troubles mm. her. Maybe she's overthinking it. Maybe he was just hit and died on the side of the road. they like they carried on, unknowing, Un- unknowing and caring. Yeah. Yeah. My neighbour hates squirrels. <laughs> <My> <laughs> is my you telling me or is this another point? Okay. My neighbour hates squirrels, tree rats, rodents that scare away the birds. She likes to feed the birds, not the squirrels. She likes to feed the ones she can't name, but thinks the colours are pretty. She explains how she goes to the store and buys rat poison. Complains that the only bag you can get is this big. I guess I'll just have to kill them all. She laughs like the humour is obvious. She doesn't stop when she realises I don't get the joke. Line up, she says. It's not murder. It's life, isn't it? The same as yours, as mine. I guess that's the truth, isn't it? It isn't murder if you don't think it's really alive. Mm. Mm. So she feeds the birds but kills the squirrels. squirrels. So is that perspective, seeing things through other people's eyes? One person's vermin is another person's uh, cute garden animal. Or is it about her compassion, maybe? Okay, all right, uh, uh, um. oh, this is nice. There is a pasture beside my parents' house that a farmer cuts for hay. Thick growing bales he sets on a line on his feet from the edge of the trees. When I was a child, I would climb onto the top of the bales, jumping from one to the other to the other, back and forth for hours, until days turned into entire summers, until age told me that I was too old for such things. Late one evening, many years later, with the sun burning orange as it sank in the sky, I looked to the bales a light like fire and was struck to find a family of foxes jumping from one to another to another. A mother or a father and three young kits. I didn't know much about foxes, but as I watched I could feel exactly what they were feeling. The freedom and the joy calling to me as they once did and how beautiful it was to have that in common. To know nothing about each other and still for one sacred moment to be completely connected. Quite like that, one. I yeah. so that made me think of kind of interbeing, you know, yeah. that we are all connected—people, animals, the whole of the earth—and for that one moment, she felt connected with the foxes. Yeah. It did also make me think of the John Lewis Christmas advert with all the yeah. animals on the trampoline, yeah. but that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's another story. <clears throat> yeah. that's nice. Okay, give you, uh, do you want one more? Go on then. One more. Angry one, Go why not? Start as you. Open your eyes. Open your damn eyes and shut your mouth. Actually look for once. Notice how the bird songs change with the season. How the wind moves. How the air tastes. The way ants can carry thousands of times their own weight. How the flowers open slowly in the morning. How the sun, when she comes, caresses everything. How she carefully unfolds the day. Now look at your feet. And all the activity below you. All the things that happen. You never cared to see. Now look me in the eyes. I dare you. And try to tell me every step you take doesn't have meaning. Yeah. It's like, you must do mindfulness. It is, yes. You, be mindful. <laughs> be <laughs> yeah. mindful. Yeah, but it is, it's that, it's an that uh, wake up, isn't it? That call to, to, to wake yeah. up and, and, and be aware and see what's happening in the world. So there you are. There's mm. my I've, I've chosen just a few examples of poetry from The Evolution of a Girl and What I Learned from the Trees by L.E. Bowman. Um, and I've been using my most well-behaved and serious manner mm. to consider poetry that I, th- I like, I, th- I think is good, um, challenging in some ways, mindful in others, mm. but there you go. Yeah. I want Hayley to have the last word, but I've, re- I've I rendered like her fox speechless. One. You I like, like the I fox like the fox, fox, fox one. one. Okay, well, we'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. Um, but she does talk a lot about love, and this is why I've still got my um, The Atlas of the Heart by Brené Brown, and I've I've got it out because what, what does love mean? Mm, what is, how do you define love? You know, she's written a whole book of love poems really, but they're kind of angry anti-love poems. And mm. I think love is quite a challenging one to define even though we yeah. talk about it a lot. Um, so this is Brené Brown's um, what the Atlas of the Heart and What Love Is. It's always a risk to define a term like love. I personally think it might be best left to the poets, artists and rock songwriters. However, a definition did emerge from our research and it's withstood the test of new data. We cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known, when we honour the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness and affection. Now, I think Bowman's poetry does that. You know, she's she's at her most vulnerable, and yet also at her most powerful, Mm -hmm. and desperate to be seen and to have that spiritual connection. Love is not something we give or get; it's something we nurture and grow. And a lot of her poems are about that kind of men, not men, sorry, the people who she's in relationships with mistake power and control and possession for um, something that we, we nurture, a connection that can be cultivated between two people. And it only exists within each of them. We can love others only as much as we love ourselves. And her poetry often comes back to that, well, I need to, I need to fix myself first before I'm yeah, gonna risk a relationship that. with I others. I don't think she's there though, is she? Although maybe through writing the poetry. And the poetry itself may help, mm. yeah. Shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. I think that's pretty mm. apparent through her yeah. poetry. Love can survive these injuries only if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. Mm. Well, that's good, yeah, isn't that make sense, yeah. yeah. I like that. Okay. So, um, if you have any thoughts... <laughs> any thoughts at all that you'd like to share with us we'd love to hear them we would so you can find us on facebook we are one together cic you can email us at one together cic at gmail.com dot com. And. and you can contact us through our website which is one together cic.co.uk dot dot UK. but fine now have we done facebook um See, yes we listen, have i asked you to do did things. do facebook um yeah i did okay Okay. so for now (laughs) we are growing Growing the the good good, the mindful podcast and we'll see you next next time. time this is growing the good the mindful podcast